2016 has promised me roses and keeps kicking me in the bum. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. It's almost time to say goodbye to 2016 and it's fair to say there won't be many shedding tears when 2017 takes its place. There was Brexit, Donald Trump, the passing of people like Muhammad Ali, Prince and David Bowie. And that's before we even mention those $15,000 sex robots who can sense heat, react to movement and tell their spouses if they're doing a good job. But just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, just when you thought 2016 had peaked... Manchester City going where those Gundogan jerseys here to talk about all of that and more is Nico Durbin hi a dearly beloved member of the One Football Newsroom team and joining him is Deutsche Welle's Anthony Howard not dearly beloved not dearly beloved just In- interesting and noted you might you might get there one day okay and just in time for a Christmas debut it's Ollie Moody hello how are you very good thank you nice to have you on board nice to be on board Uh, Before we get stuck into the football, let me have a word with our listeners. We're a bit disappointed with you. Yep, since we spoke last, a grand total of zero Louis Vuitton skateboards and zero dancing fountains have arrived at the One Football office. Lucky for you, though, there has been a few more reviews on iTunes, but we are greedy. We want more and more and more. Seriously, folks, it takes two minutes to log in, write the review and choose the three-star rating. Considered your charity work for the holiday season. Now, gentlemen, there are five games to go before the Bundesliga calls it time on 2016 and heads off for the winter break, which seems like a good time to reflect on the state of the season so far. Nico, generally, Bayern have dominated the league like Christian Grey and Anna Steele. But it's fair to say that uh, I'm not actually... I've not actually seen the movie. Yet. You said Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. I had you read the book? Oh, great. No, I had to look it up. Right. I sort of had the metaphor in my head, but uh, didn't, didn't quite I know I nervously laughed anyway, just in case it was important. <laughs> <laughs> right. Has anybody read it? No. No. Of course not. Okay. Have you seen the movie? No. No. Okay. All right. Well, anyway. Poor crowd for this metaphor. Really. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I mean, maybe, maybe there'll be listeners out there who'll get it. But anyway, fair to say that this has been one of the more interesting seasons in quite some time that's true yeah okay oh okay something else also you know, yeah you, you want me to talk about it i thought you wanted to talk about why it was right. so interesting yeah well it's i mean look at the table right now the top three i mean Bayern munich is in them right but the other two um it's leipzig i, I almost said red bull leipzig um rasenballsport leipzig obviously and um eintracht frankfurt um with the result of last night um Frankfurt is playing a year they have not played in their in their history, um, and so is Leipzig. Obviously, since it's the first year in the Bundesliga for them, mm-hmm. um, but but that's only the beginning. I mean, there's Bremen and Hamburg at the end of the league, which we're almost used to by now, and um, in between there there are many surprises actually. But we'll get into that. I guess. Well, let's get into that right away because one of the one of the more interesting things has been the the surprise packages. Do you have a favorite? I mean, there's Hertha, Hoffenheim, Cologne, Leipzig. Um, Cologne, not so much um, at this stage. I think um, I Cologne has a really, really strong um, and talented team. Um, I they they where are they right now? Eighth, seventh, sixth. They're seventh. Yeah, seventh. Yeah. Um, so that's not that much of a surprise. Um, biggest surprise, obviously, just to, you know, the elephant in the room, Leipzig mm-hmm. is the biggest uh, surprise. Um, but to be honest with you, from now on, like, I'm not surprised anymore if they win those matches against uh, 
mid-tier clubs. Um, they have the momentum right now, and I'm going to say it, if they don't have issues with injuries, etc., or any scandals, they'll be finishing in the top four. Um, the biggest surprise from now on for me is more like Frankfurt, Frankfurt and Hertha. Like they are the potential surprise packages. Hoffenheim, yes, they're doing exceptionally good, but they're also not as big as a surprise as Frankfurt and Hertha are for me. Really? Especially forensically when you look back into what's happened at Frankfurt and when Kovacs got there and describes the physical condition of that club, the facilities dreadful, you know, players washing their own clothes just about. They were in stuck in the last century and he's gone back to absolute gritty basics with getting them incredibly fit. Yeah. to move forward. That, they're the surprise because where they've come from, um, Not if you look at their playing list and say, okay, in retrospect, it all makes sense, but really that club was in, was in awful trouble. Absolutely. I mean, they were in the, the relegation playoff at the end of last season, right? And they looked an utter shambles. They looked as well as though if Alex Meyer didn't score goals for them, that right. they had nothing. There was nothing else. There was nobody else offering pretty much anything. And I think it was the, the few games in the, games in the build-up to the, um, the playoff where Meyer wasn't fit and they just offered absolutely nothing against the opposition and they, they looked like they could actually be beaten by a second division team. Yeah. So to go from that to being in the European places now, and I think they're above Dortmund, aren't they? They are above Dortmund. For the Dort- Christmas break, which... Dortmund are in a lowly sixth. Absolutely. No one really would have predicted that. And even Kovac in those first few games didn't look like he was going to turn it around to the extent that he has. So for them to be in that position, I think is a real surprise. I don't necessarily agree that Hertha is a surprise because they're pretty much in the same position as they were last season at this stage. And I think the job that Pal Dardai has done since uh, he joined the club, um, I think it's a sustainable thing. I don't think they're punching above their weight necessarily. I think he's, he's got them playing in a way that really suits the players they've got. That's, and yeah. I think they, they deserve to be there. They have started to fade a little bit lately. They've lost their last two games. Yeah, and they, they faded badly last season as well in the second half of the season. So that, I think, is the big job that he's got this season and with this winter break and this transfer window to, to try and make sure that that doesn't happen again. Because last season they looked nailed on for a Champions League place at one point and then they yeah. collapsed in their last few games of the season and ended up, I think, outside the Europa League place. So they, they, they got into the the playoffs for the Europa League and, yeah. and lost, didn't they? It's it's interesting how um, you have so different um, types of coaches. Again, um, you have on the one side, Thomas Tuchel, um, Julian Nagelsmann, obviously, um, which in Germany we call him Konzepttrainer, mm-hmm. um, which is like conceptual coach. I mean, of course, every coach should have a concept, right? Of course. Um, but it's this almost scientific approach to training and um, preparing the team for a match. And then on the other hand, you have rather, it's young coaches such as Dardai and Kovac, but more old school type of, mm-hmm. of coach in terms of their um, way of motivating and, and training, um, etc. And I think it's really interesting that you have high potential clubs who go for these um, new type modern coaches as Tuchel and Nagelsmann, but then mid-tier or lower-tier clubs such as Frankfurt and Hertha have big successes with these old-school um, coaches. I, it's, it's really interesting. I have no answer to it. Or there seems to be, yeah, there seems to be quite a sense of derision, though, towards those, those new coaches, like the, the likes of Nagelsmann, that they're not necessarily taken as seriously by a certain 
uh, part of the football community within Germany. I mean, that's just my reading of it. I could be wrong. Yeah, I feel like these clubs who they create a coaching subcommittee if they're looking for a new coach, and if they go to the board and say, "Hey, I've got this young guy who drinks herbal tea." And uh, he's going to talk like he's, the club is going to become a startup. That's a hard thing to sell 60 to 70-year-old men. And if you go in and say, I've got a guy who's going to bang on the table and he's going to tear the paint off the walls every time they lose. Give you plenty of passion. That's, it's a short-term solution and that sustainability thing that you guys are alluding to, that's the whole subplot for me as to where these clubs go next. Is the guy with a plan who can sell you a five- to eight-year plan that's the future and that's the, the groups that I put them into is that uh, how to, it's sustainable there because it, there's going to be continuity, continuity rather, and Hoffenheim likewise and maybe with Kovacs at, um, at Frankfurt. I think That's the way I divide them up. I think that's the, the real value of Julian Nagelsmann is that he perhaps embodies both of those types. He's a great motivator as well as being quite a scientific coach. There was this video that went round when Nagelsmann was made first team coach at Hoffenheim of him screaming at this uh, youth team ahead of, a, I think it was a, a cup final that they had. And it went viral. And you could see that he is exactly the sort of guy to really get players fired up before a game. But he hasn't just got that. He's got a, a hell of a lot else in his locker. Yeah. And I think there's one thing that they all share, and that's how they, I mean, A, fire them up um, and reach the players, but also how they're able to protect the players and take the, the pressure off of them. Um, and that's also what you see. It's not Bundesliga, but what you saw with Klopp in the Bundesliga, what you see with Klopp in Liverpool, is just how he's able to just put them in the right spotlight and uh, takes the pressure of them so they can actually play, perform and be confident with what they're doing. Well, we mentioned Nagelsmann and he, for me, would be one of the biggest winners of this season so far. Am I going out on a limb by suggesting that or is, is anybody else with me on that? I'm well and truly on board. Yeah, I'm co-pilot on that bandwagon. I think uh, the biggest winner of the year is anyone who's got a long-term plan and Hoffenheim perfectly represent that. And I think he is uh, probably the flag, the flag bearer to suggest that you don't just pick uh, the most famous person you can to be your manager. You pick the best possible manager. Sometimes that's going to be a guy who hasn't played 300 league games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, will be, there are people who are born to manage yeah. And you've all seen it, right? You've gone into a newsroom, you've had a boss who was just born to lead. Yeah. Uh, it just happens with some people, and I think he represents that. At, at this point, we have to mention Ralf Hasenhüttl, though. I mean, um, the way he kept Ingolstadt in the league, and more than that, last season, and the way he performs with Leipzig this season is extraordinary. Um, in Ingolstadt, I think it was pretty much a one-man show, um, and he had all the power. And in Leipzig, he certainly has um, a powerful, I don't know if it's supervisor or co-manager, I don't know what they what they are together, but with Ralf Rangnick. Um, What's his official title? Director of football? or Sportdirektor, yeah, yeah. yeah, director of football. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to click. They seem to have the same philosophy. And it's, it's really exciting. It's really cool to see how um, Ralf Rangnick comes back after, you know, leaving with... He was uh, sick mentally, depression or burnout. I'm not sure how he comes back with Leipzig and has this statement and it's great. And you see the difference with Ingolstadt this season, second from bottom, couple of points from safety and really struggling. Yeah. Oli, you're uh, your hero so far or your your winner of the season so far? Well, there's a few that we've already mentioned um, with Leipzig, with um, uh, Hoffenheim as well. But for me, in, in the short term, at least Frankfurt, 
are the big winners oh, yeah. of this year, just because they've gone from a club that looked on the verge of relegation, really on the verge of relegation, to a club that is actually competing for a European place. And um, the way that Kovac has sorted out their defence, for me, is where Frankfurt are the big winners. You know, at this stage last season, they conceded 27 goals. This season, it's 12. Ooh. So less than half the number of goals conceded. That is that's a stunning. That's a start, isn't it? That's a stunning turnaround, and they've done it as well with um, a, basically a kid at centre back in Jesus Pejo, um, who I think he's 19 years old, playing alongside David Abraham at centre back there. I hate young people. <laughs> I know, right? Nagelsmann as well, just yeah. all of them. Um, and to to achieve a kind of turnaround like that with a guy on loan who um, hasn't even turned 20 yet, I think is pretty stunning. Pretty incredible. Um, from biggest winners to biggest losers, anybody want to uh, nominate here? Wolfsburg would be mine. Um, just to, the, per, uh, the top of the pyramid is, is the tops and they are just at the, the, the bottom of the pit now. The city, the, the company who backs them, anything that couldn't get more stinky for Volkswagen, now their little cubby house that they built to entertain guests is also stinking the joint out as well. Um, just going f- from from bad to worse in every possible way, from recruitment to retaining people and just um, how they've sold and how they've bought and replaced, uh, it's just gone horribly wrong. And we talk about the managers who do it well and the appointments that are working for people, they're just heading in the in the opposite direction. And heading in the opposite direction, of course, is Julian Draxler as well. Uh, reports are he's off to PSG. Yeah. Which seems like a sensible move for him. And this seems to me to be a destination for a spoiled brat. <laughs> well, somebody was tweeting yesterday that they'll give it a week and he'll be in a nightclub. Yep. Yeah. Pictured where he yep. when he shouldn't be. I base that opinion on absolutely no knowledge of the man, but it yeah. just seems to fit. I would have yeah. I would have liked him on the side of, for example, an Uziel or mm-hmm. somebody he has a connection to that could lead him maybe because he is so talented. Damn, Trexler is talented. That's the really frustrating thing about it, isn't it? Yeah. He's got so much talent, but he's oh. just wasting it at the moment, just frittering it away. And this is a, it seems to be a common thing with Wolfsburg that players just don't reach their potential there. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne was obviously the, um, the, the obvious exception to the rule, but since he left, it's just completely collapsed there. You know, they finished second, uh, won the German Cup. This was two seasons ago. Mm. And now look at them. They're, they're just, the, the whole atmosphere around the club is toxic. And I think Draxler right now embodies that and I think they just need to get rid of him and just start a reboot you know I'm not sure necessarily that Valerian Ismail is the yeah. is the man to lead that but um, they they need to make some really drastic changes there but they won't have as much money to fund that as they've had in the past of course and obviously there's also Klappbach who mm-hmm. just this morning sacked their coach Andre Schubert didn't uh, really come as a surprise to anybody who's seen Gladbach this season no no no, no didn't um but it's too bad it's it's really it's too bad i uh i it was really exciting how they came back um last season and and last years in general and it seemed like we have a new um team in the top five um behind dortmund and and bayern and next to um clubs such as the leipzigs and hoffenheims and 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 wolfsburgs etc with big money behind them so yeah that's really too bad and it's it's a big loss um of course one of the biggest games of the season takes place tonight as Bayern welcome RB Leipzig to the Allianz Arena I'm pretty excited about this one anybody else as excited as I am absolutely (laughs) I'm excited but I'm I'm fearful 
Why fearful? That 2016 has promised me roses and keeps kicking me in the bum. Okay. I hope this is not one last time. <laughs> Bowie, Trump, the, the whole thing. Well, what, I, I what, fear. Would, what would be a kick in the bum for you? 3 0 Bayern. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, and it's Anthony. been a false, false dawn. It's going to happen. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, you think Bayern are going to come out on top? Yeah, I, my predicted headline for tomorrow is um, Machtverhältnisse wieder klargestellt. Which means as much as like the 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 power um, is set clear in in German football, I think it's yeah. going to be yeah. power balance reestablished. By the yeah. way, by the way, football yeah. fans, there is no Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. It's not going to be like a four or five nil or something like that. It's not going to be a demonstration, but it's going to be a really controlled and well played um, two nil three one for Bayern. Yeah, am I, could, the, am I the only one here who thinks that Leipzig are going to win? This is disgraceful. I, I want you to be right. I just suspect. I just. Not. I think if you look at them, you look at the speed that they've got, the creativity in the team. They're gonna. They. They're gonna go to the Allianz Arena with nothing to fear whatsoever. Nobody expects anything from them. Right. If they win, it's a bonus. If they don't, people will go. Well, Bayern. It's Bayern anyway. They. Think so. They've got that. They've got all of that. They've also got a brilliant record against the top sides in the Bundesliga I think they've got 14 points better than any other side Clint, one of their best aspects is of course their speed and their ability to counter-attack which is something that Bayern have suffered against uh, this season I think we saw that in the Atletico game when they lost 1-0 I hope the precedent was set by Hoffenheim, who went there with no fear and didn't pay them too much respect and and kicked lumps out of them. Yeah, they that's what they've got to do. That's, that's exactly what they've got to do. But can you imagine how Kalens, Rummenigge, Hoeneß and all those guys, how they would prepare the, the team, the coaches and so on and tell them how important it is for mm. Bayern to win this game? So it's this, now they're in this, this one game focus. And it's the last game of the year, and there's no way that Bayern is going to give that away. Yeah, that can go one of two ways, though, can't it? That can be too much pressure sometimes. It's the same for Leipzig in the situation that they're in. You talk about uh, them having a good record against the bigger sides so far this season, but they haven't had any kind of challenge like playing at the Allianz Arena against Bayern Munich. And when you look at the, the team they've got, I mean, something we haven't touched on yet is the kind of players that have got Leipzig to, the, to second place now, but previously top of the table. Um, the likes of Emil Forsberg, uh, Naby Keita, Timo Werner. These are not guys with a ton of Bundesliga experience, with, with the exception of Werner there. They, they haven't collected, as a lot of promoted sides do, players with a ton of experience in the league that they're playing in. They don't have experience of playing Bayern Munich. They don't have experience of playing at the Allianz. And maybe that'll work in their favour that they won't feel awed. Or maybe the occasion will get to them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing which way this one goes. Just on that, if you think that uh, Leipzig are the Red Bull evil empire in waiting to the, the Bayern Death Star, 580 million euros worth of squad for Bayern and 88 million for Leipzig. This is not a fair fight, no matter which way you weigh it in financially. Uh, it would be totally remarkable. I think a win for Leipzig is, is a 2-1 loss. That's where I draw the line and say, guys, you've, you've done okay. If they can draw, that's a, a huge victory. And I really, really hope for the league it would energise everyone to see this come out as a draw. A 2-2 draw would be an amazing result for football, for, for German football fans. Okay. Well, we can but hope, is what I would say, as a, as a, a man who's interested in, in RB Leipzig. Uh, let's get some predictions for the rest of this season that will probably come back to haunt us at some stage. <laughs> um, do we want to name our champions? 
I don't want to, but I will. Uh, I know who you're going for. Yeah, it's going to be Frankfurt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's going to be Bayern. It's going to be Bayern. Yes, I agree. Unfortunately, Anthony. Yeah, by ten points, I think. Yeah, by which, ten points. Yeah, which which doesn't mean that that I think that Leipzig has no chance. I, I we saw it with Leicester, obviously uh, last season as well. They do have a chance. Don't get me wrong. Um, but during the end of the season, I think it's it's going to be Bayern. They they haven't played well yet. Is my main concern that they're on top and they're just in second or third gear. But that's yeah, that's that's the point. Sorry, that's I know exactly. you want to move on, but I can't. And that's kind of also the Ancelotti effect, where everyone's like, "Oh, is Ancelotti good enough? Is he under pressure?" and so on. He will be there when it's the semi-finals in the Champions League, and not like in the previous years when they're in the semi-final of the Champions League and they already played an amazing year and they're tired. They'll be there when they need to be. Okay, and who do we think is going to go go down this season? Please let it be Hamburg, finally. I think that would be the best thing for German football. But make that clock stop ticking. Poor Hamburg. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why would you want to ruin their record like that? I think they need it oh. as much as anything. I think for that, a re, uh, for a regeneration. Basically. Exactly. You know that club has been clinging onto that clock for far too long now, and if they reset that, they maybe reset a few other things as well. And, uh, mm. you know, I think they've needed this for five years. They've been hovering above those relegation spots and, you know, coaching merry-go-round, all that kind of thing. Yeah. They just, they need something to shock them back into life. I, you've convinced me. Maybe, maybe that is, <laughs> maybe that is not the worst. But, you know, I don't think they will go down. I think oh. it'll be Ingolstadt and Darmstadt, the two teams that we thought would go down last season. Not Ingolstadt, Darmstadt, yes. Ingolstadt, I don't think so. Um, so for me, it's Darmstadt, Hamburg and relegation... I don't know, Bremen maybe? Gladbach sure. if they keep going like this. Depends on who they sign yeah. as a coach now and what's happening there. Okay, well, we'll move on. I think that's enough Bundesliga yes. chat for one day. Uh, now, given that it is the time of year when people hand their presents, we thought we'd hand out some of our own in the form of the One Football Podcast Awards. We have four categories, Player of the Year, Team of the Year, Manager of the Year and Favourite Moment of the Year. Ollie, we're going to start with you and your nomination for Player of the Year. Well, I've got two and they're not necessarily for, really? um, for, the, for being the best player of the year, just to sort of uh, yeah, go off topic a bit. Okay. Um, my actual Player of the Year is Antoine Griezmann, just because... The poor lad's got to win something this year. You know, <laughs> Champions League, um, so close. You know, scoring the crucial goal in the semi-final against Bayern, then getting to the final and losing on penalties again to Real Madrid. Um, and then being the star of the show for France at their European Championship and still getting pipped by Portugal. Um, Do you think winning our Player of the Year award will make up for all of that? Absolutely. This, oh, okay. this is the big one. <laughs> yeah. um, my other Player of the Year... Um, I'm calling it the the Donald Trump Award for um, summing up the year, is Paul Pogba. Um, Obviously not for being the actual best player of the year, but just for kind of summing up how now football has moved into an age where hype is kind of more important than actual skill. I think he's a great player, Pogba. I'm not trying to slam him. Football's facts don't matter. Yeah, exactly. I think the the ludicrous kind of transfer saga and Mm -hmm. the, the hype around him now, and the fact that you just can't have a regular conversation about Paul Pogba. He's either the best player in the world and totally worth 90 million or he's a complete waste man and, you know, United are going to flog him for 5 million 
to Sunderland in a couple of years. So, All right. Yeah, those are my those are my two players of the year. I'm looking forward to Paul Pogba turning up at uh, Sunderland. <laughs> um, team of the year, Nico. Did you want to nominate one? Um, I, I wanted to agree with uh, Griezmann first of all. Okay, um, that would have been would have been mine, and uh, number two would have been Zaza. Um, <laughs> team of the year, I yeah, I go with Leicester. I love. Yes, I'll, that's I'll, what I wanted to hear. I I love to see what happened there. Yeah, I loved it. It's beyond fairy tale yeah. that everything clicked into place and was absolutely perfect. Like Morgan's form was perfect, Mara's form was perfect, Drinkwater's form was perfect, Schmeichel's form was perfect, Vardy's drinking form was perfect. <laughs> it it just everything clicked. It's it's like one of those you know those you know passings of the moon that happens every fifty million years, <laughs> and it's just so perfect. And it's it you're you're bang on. They are team of the year. <laughs> Okay, manager of the year, Anthony. Uh, I like Conte. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think because I look at him at Chelsea and think, what would happen if that man was at Arsenal? Because I'm all about power of personality and a manager, right? And I think that guy, you just—I don't know whether you're just listening to what he says or you're fearful of not doing what he says. But uh, I, I just Both. find him, yeah, magnetic to to listen to, to watch, and to watch his team play, and to see the force of his will reflected on the pitch is extraordinary. I think that's the only reason Chelsea will win the cha- win the uh, the Premiership this year. Did anybody else want to nominate a manager of the year? I like I like the Conte one, but I I have a right answer and a wrong answer for this one. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to hear that. Why? Well, I would probably go for Ranieri. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again for the for the reasons I've sort of outlined already but Leicester are now like what three points off a relegation place well, so yeah. one award's enough for them no well, they team did, of the year they did, they did well in the Champions League already they have them well that's true yeah that's true. Uh, moving on to our favourite moment of the year now I have two I can't decide which to go for I'll have a think about it and we'll, we'll go around the room here and Nigo you can kick off with you. I already said I already said Zaza before so again <laughs> Zaza's penalty. penalty is just Yes, I'm biased, but it was hilarious. <laughs> His legs are still going in my head. Yeah, he's still, he's still, he's still going for it. Um, yeah, you, you guys, what, what do you think? Um, everything I ever thought about Pepe came together at the end of the Champions League final in Milan when uh, he's just had the greatest moment in his career. His kids are on the pitch. He earns 20 million bucks a year and he's got a selfie stick. Yeah. <laughs> It was perfect of every, him diving on the ground, everything about the man, the person, and what I needed to know and what I needed to bring together to think, ah, what I thought was right. You're a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a $100 billion broadcast going on that's taking pictures of you for it. You don't need a selfie stick. You don't need a camera. Perfect, Pepe. Perfect. Where did he get the selfie stick from? Oh, I have no bloody idea. Probably from the market, probably from a stand out the front. <laughs> He's a fool. <laughs> okay, well, my moment. Tell us what you really think, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Ollie? My moment of the year uh, also involves Portugal at the Euros. Okay. But for me, it's uh, Portugal versus Hungary game, I think it was. I think oh, it was yeah. Hungary's second goal where the camera went to Ronaldo just after they scored and he threw that massive on-pitch strop oh, yeah. where it looked like he'd lost control of his limbs and body and <laughs> mouth and everything and he was just screaming and throwing his arms all over the place and to me that just it was it, it summed up Ronaldo um, well one part of Ronaldo's character and then the next part of it he summed up I think he went and banged in a goal about two minutes later just That's to it, just it? to sum Ronaldo up basically yeah. in a couple of minutes 
Lovely. My two were, and I, I don't think I can, I, I can't separate them. One was Robbie Brady's goal against Italy. Right. I, mm-hmm. It's so rare that Ireland get to enjoy, you know, as an Irish boy, you get to enjoy something as beautiful as that. And like moments earlier, it looked like Hulan had missed a great chance for Ireland and that was it. And, you know, and then Brady pops up and it's a cracking goal. So I, I, that, uh, the other one is, I don't know, if, did, did any of you see this Steve McLaren's uh, commentary on the Iceland England yes. game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. McLaren's like, yeah, England are doing fine. Nothing to worry about. They've got this big lad up. Iceland have this big lad up front. He's not up to much. And then all of a sudden, there's just this slight pregnant pause and you can hear them all go, oh, oh, oh no. The sound of and it's the sound of somebody's European hopes just dying. <laughs> and it's it's too good. It's too good. And McLaren is just made yeah. to look very, very He doesn't foolish. know what a gif is, but he could see something was happening oh, and he was going to be made into a joke. Yeah, it, it's hilarious. And I, I can't I can't I can't separate those two moments. Ireland winning, England losing. It's pretty perfect for Even me. as an Englishman, like that that particular moment of commentary and that match as a whole was just one of the moments of the year. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Another league that has reached its halfway point is Ligue 1 in France. And here to give us an update on all that is going on is our freelance French friend, Andrew Gibney. Andrew, it's been so long since we talked last and a lot has changed, but there is one thing that still remains the same. Nice are top of Ligue 1, four points clear of second place Monaco and seven points clear of third place PSG. Are you as astounded as we are? Uh, I think at this stage... Probably, probably not as much as down now, but I think from the start of the season, and they've definitely surprised everyone the way they've they're sort of built on what what Claude Puel sort of started to create last season. Uh, Lucien Favre came in, and you weren't sure how the new coach would do. How the sort of, there was Ben Arthur, there was a few key players. You wonder how the new players were going to settle, but it, it's been fantastic, and they are. Probably outside of Monaco, probably the, the, the sort of one of the best teams in France to watch. It's, it's, it's such a well-balanced team and such an exciting team to see on the pitch. Is is that balance the key to their success so far, or or what else has there been to uh, to get them to the top? I mean, everyone's going to mention Mario Balotelli, and he has played a key role. But I mean, he's missed a lot of games as well, though. And, and it is that balance that they've got. Lucien uh, Favre plays a three-five-two when everyone's available, but he, he can go to a back four as well. He's got wing backs that are so attacking, and so there's constant a constant threat up and down the channels. But can defend the the midfield three. You're looking at Jean-Michel Serre, who's having a, a wonderful season in midfield. Uh, uh You've got Wellen Cyprian, who uh, scored against Paris Saint-Germain. He he stepped up from Lons. So, uh, we doing. He's been fantastic. People like Coziello, who's a lovely little midfielder. They've got all these little, all willing runners who are just working for each other and so talented as well. And they've got everything you want from from that team. And it all sort of builds up to having Mario as the the focal point up front, who sort of just lets all these young kids run around him, and he gets on the end of it. And it's a perfect combination. What do you? I mean, speaking of Mario, why do you think he's he's thriving in these? Has he just finally found his his level, or is there a sense that he's actually matured a bit? I think there's a little bit of maturity as well. I think he realises this is probably his last chance to do something at a really big level. I mean, there'll always be a coach out there somewhere that thinks they can tame him and, and get the, the Balotelli back that he promised to be. But I think 
saying that, but the, the young kids, he's got all this, uh, you look at Liverpool, Liverpool, especially you know, under Klopp, they would have had to run and chase and be part of the, the way they play, but Nice let, let Mario do his thing, they let him patrol, he's telling players where to go, he's making those runs to the back post, and all the, the younger players around him are doing all the hard work for him and, and letting him do what he does best. So you mentioned Monaco earlier. Um, it's quite astounding. 54 goals, second place and knee deep in a title race. They've probably been the best team to watch this season, haven't they? Uh, undoubtedly. Uh, it's interesting because uh, Leonardo Hardin got a bit of a, he was getting a bit of stick for being a more defensive coach. He had set them up as a very counter-attacking uh, team. And now he's sort of taken that and sort of let the reins go a little bit. And they're just flourishing. The goals are flowing. I think they were 13 different goal scorers this season. The goals are coming from everywhere. You've got someone like Jubil Sidibe playing it right back. And if you didn't know where they played, you'd think he was a winger. <laughs> but he's getting forward and scoring goals and getting to the byline. They are so, you know, you're going to get goals. It's when you watch them, it's pretty much guaranteed these days. Do you think they can sustain that, that title challenge for the, the second part of the season? I think that they're there now with the Champions League break because obviously they're still in, in the competition. They, this is going to give them a chance to really get some steam behind them. Where once obviously we've got one more game before the winter break and they come back with the Coupe de France, then we're back into the league. So they've got a good month to keep going. I mean, you look at the way Paris and Germain are playing and Nice have had some injury problems but they've managed to get through that. I think Monaco are the the, the, the favourites for me now. I think they've, they've finally taken over from PSG as a team and you think... I think they could go on and win this. And PSG will still be around. They'll, you'd think, get past their problems. But Monaco are the ones you'd need back at this stage of the season. Well, you mentioned PSG. Uh, David Chinle was speaking to Le Parisien the other day and was urging the club to keep faith in Unai Emery and you know, give him a, a bit of backing in the upcoming transfer market. But there's tons of rumours that you know people like Louis van Gaal are coming in to replace him. What do you make of this one? Yeah, it's a difficult one because I don't think the problems all stem from Unai Emery. I think there's those deep-rooted problems in this club from the top all the way through to the, the players having power when Blanc was there. And it, it's hard not to say that he's maybe lost the dressing room. He's definitely lost some of the players. Look at Angel de Maria's having a terrible season. He doesn't look that interested. Thiago Silva doesn't look like a leader in that team. And... Then you look at the summer and you look who, who was brought in, you wonder who made those decisions. Like Ben Arthur's all had a wonderful season with Nice, but he was never going to be a Paris and Germain body player taken to the next level. And they were weak up front, they bought, they've got too many midfielders who doesn't know how to play the best team. There's a lot of issues that extend away from just Unai Emery. And I think you're just starting again and building more problems if, if you sack them now and try and bring someone else in. Um, what about the Draxler rumours? We sort of mentioned him a little bit earlier. Do you think he'd be a good fit for the club? I mean, he's an excellent player. He's a talent and he's he's got that physical sort of strength as well and the size to absolutely dominate. I, I don't know where, where he plays. But if, if he can't find space for, for Ben Arthur as a traditional number 10, where does, does Julian Draxler go? I suppose you're looking at playing him maybe on the left and then you've still got De Marie on the right who's been poor and you're sort of taking away Lucas who's probably been their best forward outside of, of Cavani scoring the goals but I suppose they need more quality so I think anyone's going to help that's got the ability to score and create goals uh, they're so over-reliant on Cavani at the moment it's unreal. I think they're more reliant on him now than they were when Zlatan was there PSG of course lost to uh, Gwingamp last weekend and the win put the Brittany side in fifth place is there any feeling that they could perhaps last the pace this season and make it to the Champions League? 
I'd be very, very surprised. I think they're more looking at getting to 40 points and making sure they stay up with anything else. And it's a fantastic story because they lost uh, their coach in the summer as well, uh, Jocelyn Govanek and Antoine Comboari, who used to manage PSG before he got sacked as well. Uh, it's just come in he's, he's got a really strong it, it, it's very similar to what Wales did in the Euros there's, there's not a lot of superstars there's not big names but it's just a really good team and a really good unit they know how they want to play and they go about it the right way and, and they're getting the results and outside of this 11 that they play there's not much quality outside of that so a few injuries and you might see them drop down you've got teams like Marseille, Rennes, Toulouse Etienne who all wait to, to go above them but it's a wonderful story and they're a wonderful club and I think that the the capacity of the stadium is nearly double what the actual population of the town is and they fill it. So it's, it's a wonderful story from a great old team. Finally, the bottom three spots are currently occupied by Cannes, Lorient and Nantes uh, but only five points separate 20th from 12th. It would take a brave man to nominate three teams to get in. Are you that brave, Andrew? Uh, I think Lorient, I'm definitely nailing them down. Nantes interesting because Nantes have got uh, Sergio Conceição, the uh, former Portuguese international, as their coach, and they've won two games in a row. One was in the cup, then they went to Angers and won. So they're looking on the opposite. I think they maybe favourites to not go down at this stage. Even Dijon have looked good in patches. And that's the problem. They've, every team there, Mets, Con, Angers, have all been good in little spells. And this is the problem with the league done that teams can't find consistency uh, I definitely pick Lorient but uh, I'd be struggling to pick who they are to be possibly con because they've, they've struggled they've not looked half a team they were last season they don't seem to have a lot, enough about them to sustain any sort of run That was Andrew Gibney our freelance French football correspondent Ollie you've got beef with Nice I have. They um, they absolutely screwed up an accumulator for me oh, no. a few weeks ago, yeah. Sevenfold, six of them won. Nice. And it was against Bastia as well at home. They were like, they were winning. And then uh, uh, Bastia equalised. And then Nice, in the last minute, someone went through. Open goal, passed the keeper, hit the bar. Could not believe it. Oh, yeah. Still angry with him. What and would it have been worth? I can't remember now. I've, I've tried to block that yeah, out of enough. my mind. Now, we're talking to... like four figures, five figures? No, I wasn't that high. Wasn't that bad, but uh, it was it was enough money to. Um, it was your next trip to Bangkok, it, yeah, <laughs> Bangkok or, or anywhere in the world, basically. Okay, well that's all from us today. Unless anybody has some interesting Christmas stuff they want to tell us. No, no, I don't no. think so. Okay, that's all from us. My thanks to Nico, Anthony, Oli, our producer Damien, and thanks to all of you who've been listening throughout the year. Have a merry Christmas, and we'll talk again in the new year.